0: We've been working through a series for the last six weeks called Beyond Brokenness, and the whole idea behind this series has been looking at people in Scripture who blew it, uh, were broken, uh, messed up, froze up, uh, wanted to run away, um, and wanted to give up uh, because where they were in their life was not where they were supposed to be. And the beauty of this series has been in each one of those instances of people we're finding God's redemptive work in the transformation of their life. And when God met them in their place and in their brokenness, he transformed them and their life became different. They moved in a different direction and they were never the same again. And the connection for you and I is that that story, those stories that we read in scripture are the same stories of you and me. We've been broken, we've been lost, we are blind. But yet when God meets us where we are, he redeems us with his transforming grace. This morning we're taking a stop in the New Testament and we're looking at the story of Jesus calling his first disciples. And I want to read that from the book of Matthew. Let's pull this up here. And feel free to follow along with me uh, up on the screen. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. What does it mean to be f- to fish for people? What are we talking about? What role do we play in fishing for people? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. But before we do that, let's pray together. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, as we just saying, to know you is to love you, and that's what we desire. We want whether we whether we know it or not, we want to Um, know you, and we want to be in your presence. And as uh, you have touched our lives with your grace, with your love and your mercy, uh, we are never the same again. So God, we owe you uh, a debt of gratitude. We acknowledge uh, that without you, uh, we wander. Without you, we're blind, and we're not able to see. But with you and in you, you do great things in us, and you do things through us. Uh, that redeem your people, uh, that they would know you as well. So God, when we sing these songs this morning, we give you thanks and we acknowledge that you are the creator, you are the sovereign God, and you are the one that we look to and we follow you with, with all of our being, our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Teach us to do that each and every day that we follow you. God, I pray for the people over the last several weeks who have lost a loved one, a soulmate, a partner, people that they have cared about, um, a mother, a father, a spouse, a brother. God, be with them in their time of need and their time of brokenness. We think of Gary and Daryl and Linda and Ginny. And God, we ask that you're with them, that you would provide them comfort as they grieve the loss. Let them know that you're with them. Let them know that you're guiding them and that you're walking with them today. We thank you for Kathy and the way that you're healing her uh, from her surgery. And thank you that you're strengthening her each and every day. God, we pray for the South Shore and ask that we would be a praying people for your work to be done here. God, I think specifically of people who are uh, held captive by addiction. I think of families that are broken by dysfunction. And God, would you be at work in each of those instances where you would heal people who choose to cope through an alternative substance? And would you help families who have developed patterns of brokenness that in you and the way that you reign in their families, that you would bring healing, you would bring joy, and you would bring restoration? God, we pray for this service. Open our, our minds, open our eyes. Let us see, let us hear the things that you have to show us uh, that we need to see and know today. And God, would, we, would neither none of us leave here today unchanged by the word that you share. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I'd like to uh, let you know what's going on this morning for our message. We have a guest speaker today, Danny Kroos. Uh, is, with us, uh, uh, is with us today and he's going to uh, share a little bit and he's got a friend uh, that he's going to, um, who's going to share as well. Many of you know Danny. He is not new to North River, but in case you're not aware of who Danny is, Danny is one of our, our missions partners here at North River. Uh, he uh, works with the New Hope Correctional Ministry. It's a ministry that he founded where he's, uh, he's running a prison ministry. And that's really birthed uh, from something that happened in his life about 35 years ago. Um, 35 years ago, he was a guest at the Plymouth County Correctional Facility. And, uh, 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 and then from there, um, he is now serving at that same facility for 23 years as the chaplain uh, of that facility. So a uh, powerful story and uh, really neat to see what God has done in Danny's life and the work that he's doing through various people who've gone through Um, through that process and that system. You're going to meet Wayne this morning. He's a great guy, has a real powerful story to share. So I'm going to introduce Danny. Come on up, and uh, we'll go from there.
1: Well, good morning. morning. It's great to be with you all, and thank you face-to-face for your prayers and support of our ministry at the jail. And uh, great things are happening. You've heard me share a lot of stories of different inmates that have come to faith in Christ for numerous reasons. Uh, Some get saved and go on to do state or federal time down in Pennsylvania, South Carolina, or even to be deported back to Nicaragua, whatever. Uh, But there is some that get saved, stick around. One of them's out, he's here. And I've asked him so you could hear it right from the horse's mouth, so to speak, and hear his story which will tie into our message. So Wayne, why don't you make your way up here? Uh, Wayne's gonna share his testimony. And this will tie right into our story, Fisher of Men, which I think uh, a lot of us need to give some thought to this morning. So, Wayne Haskell.
2: Good morning, everybody. You know, uh, like, like they said, I, I, I was in a jail cell in, 2016 um, when I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior and uh, I remember um, promising God and myself that uh, if, an, if there came an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus Christ and what he's done in my life that I wouldn't waste that away so uh, uh, I'm nervous as can be doing this stuff it's not my uh, it's not in my wheelhouse but when God says go I'm gonna go and uh, my story starts I was um, brought up in uh, Bridgewater, two loving Christian parents. Um, you know, they, were, uh, they prayed with me. They prayed for me. They brought me to church. They read the Bible to me. And they were, you know, really invested in me. And they, they were great, great parents. And, and uh, I, there was never one single moment where I wondered if I was loved. Uh, in spite of all that, I rebelled against my parents, their teachings. I rebelled against God in a very, very young age. And uh, I just went my own way. Be my own man, so to speak. And uh, my way took me uh, right into jail as, as a kid. You know, I did my first jail sentence in, uh, in the 80s. Um, my last one in 2016. And many, 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 many in between. I don't even know how many. Um well before I got out of high school I was, you know, involved with drugs and alcohol, which led me to crime. And uh I really don't know how you know, how I went so far the way I did. I've never been able to figure that out. I'm uh I'm sure before, you know, between Satan and, and me we've had something to do with it. But but the uh I ended up you know, going to jail for the first time, and I was just a kid in the 80s, and I was surrounded by all these old guys in their 30s, saying, you'll be back, kid, you'll be back. And I'm like, no way. There is no way that I'm coming back to a place like this. And the truth is, I couldn't stay out of there. You know, before I got out of my 20s, I remember just looking at my life, and, and looking in the mirror, and just hated the man that I'd become. I now had the value system that you'd find in a sewer. I was breaking my parents' hearts. I made them feel like failures as parents. I suppose there's probably only one other thing that a parent would ha- might have to go through that could be worse than that. And I tried to fix my life and I tried everything and I just couldn't change it. I just, you know, I, uh, everything but God, you know. And I fought and fought and fought and tried all these different things, and I know now that the only thing I was really fighting was I was fighting God. But uh, I had some good people in my life who tried to help me out. Uh, One boss in particular, uh, a guy I worked for, he thought I was a a really good worker and a nice guy when I showed up, and um, you know, he sent me to this psychiatrist, I'll never forget this as long as I live, um, through like an employee assistance type of program. And I go see this doctor, and she, you know, she says, you know, what's going on, tell me about your life, and, and so I did, and, I, and my life wasn't very good, I can tell you, it was very, very, very bad. And, and I told her, and uh, she looks at me and she says, you know, she says, okay, I'll listen to you, and I know exactly what your problem is. And I couldn't believe it, I mean, this lady had the answer, so I sat in my chair, my ears perked up, my eyes o- opened wide, and I says, okay, w- what is it? You know, what's my problem? And she says, Wayne, your problem is, you're thinking too much. I go, huh? She says, you think too much. You gotta just learn to, you know, run on your gut instincts. The first thought that pops in your mind, just act on it. And I remember saying, lady, you gotta be sicker than I am. <laughs> the first thing that pops into my head, you know, I'll never get out of prison. <laughs> and, and don't cut me off when I'm driving down the street. <clears throat> and uh, so uh, I, I got up and left. I was disappointed I didn't pay her. I still haven't, I won't. And um, I left. Uh, turns out that lady didn't have all my answers. She didn't have none of them. I, I, but anyway, I went on my way. And uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm just gonna fast forward to 2016 when I got my, my last jail sentence. I'll, I'll back it up just a little bit, 1994. Uh, 1994, I found out, it was November 24th, 1994, and I found out what happens when you tell the police that you're not under arrest. It doesn't end well. And uh, up until this point, I really had a, a dislike for the, those in law enforcement, the criminal justice system. I wasn't brought up that way. I was brought up to respect authority, obey it, support it. But they kinda got in the way of doing the things that I want to do, so I didn't like them much. But this night in November, it was November 24th, I, uh, I went out and uh, one thing led to another and I woke up the following morning and I kept hearing my name and hearing my name and hearing my name. You know, I opened up my eyes and the first thing that I saw is I was handcuffed to a hospital bed. I was surrounded by Brockton police officers, Plymouth County Sheriff's deputies, and they're watching this television screen in the hospital room. I had been shot four times. I was in really bad shape and facing some really bad charges. From then on I went into, uh, you know, I went, ended up going into the jail. I was there a couple months, bailed out, and then my case came up a year later, they lessened the charges and I got found guilty. Um, so I went to jail. That dislike that I had towards the police turned to a hatred, of rage. A rage so bad it just consumed me, it owned me, and I couldn't get rid of it, I couldn't shake it. So I'm in jail in 1995 for crimes against the police, and i mean they were having a real bad day one day, and, and I saw this correctional officer, we call him COs. He's part of me, he comes up to me, and uh, this guy was, he was a rookie. He was old for a rookie, he was in his 40s, most of these guys uh, you know, in their 20s when they start out. But this guy came up to me and he started talking to me, and he's wearing the uniform and the badge he started talking to me about God and Jesus. And I listened to him. And when he was done, I remember saying, you know, you're different from these other COs, these other corrections officers. You're sincere and honest. And you seem like a nice guy. Uh, I'm not buying what you're selling about this God and Jesus stuff, but, but you were kind to me. And I appreciate that. So that was the end of our conversation. I did my two and a half years and he stayed on working and uh, I got out, I was probably out two or three months, probably went back in for another couple years and same thing, you know, till 2016. But every time that I went back to this jail, I would see this correction officer and he'd be doing his job and doing it well, but he'd be fair with the inmates and he'd be telling them about Jesus. And he always spent time to talk to me, see how I was doing I wasn't ready but in 2016 I went into jail and uh, for the last time and to say that I was downtrodden and heavy laden or burdened would be an understatement I was crushed I was defeated helpless and hopeless homicidal suicidal and I just didn't know what to do And I'm in this cell block and in the back of this cell block there's a classroom the classroom opens up and these inmates came filing out. And the last one to come out was this older guy in civilian clothes. And I looked again, I recognized that guy. That was that correction officer who spoke to me back in 1995 and every time since till 2016. Now retired, serving our Lord by still going into that jail teaching inmates about Jesus. And he spotted me, and he came up to me. He calls me Rusty, the color of my hair when I used to have it. (laughs) And uh, he came up to me and he says, hey, Rusty, how you doing? And I says, you know, the usual. And he knew I was dying. And he says, are you tired of the usual? And I remember saying, yeah, Captain, I am. But I don't know what to do. And he says, you know what's going on in that classroom over there? I says, I don't know, knowing you, it's probably got something to do with the Bible or this Jesus or something. And he says, that's right, Rusty. And Jesus has a free gift that he wants to give to you. And I'd like to tell you about it. What do you say? I says, I don't know, uh, maybe next week. And he, uh, He took a step closer and kind of got my face and a former Navy man and Marine and they can just pass right through you with his eyes. He looks at me and says, Rusty, you've always been straight with me. I'm gonna hold you to that. I'll see you next week. And I uh, I thank God that that man held me to that. I can tell you I was sweating out that whole week. I was thinking, you know, Well, maybe he won't show up or something, you know, but not this guy, not this guy. He's going to be there and he's going to show up early and he did. And uh, I went into that Bible study, but like so many other inmates who go to chapel or a Bible study in jail, I did not go in there doing backflips and cartwheels. I crawled into that room. And he prayed and he opened up the Bible and the first verse he read was probably the most popular verse in the Bible. But when he read it, I just felt it, heard it like I'd never had before, and that's when God opened my eyes. He read that God loved me so much that he sent his son to pay my sin debt. And it dawned on me for the first time that even though he knows me, God loves me. And there was nothing he had to love. And he read some more. And as he read, I heard about sin, and I knew I was a sinner. I was a really bad, bad sinner. I knew that. There was no question. But I just came to just know that my sin, with my sins, I needed a Savior, and that Savior was Jesus. And I accepted Jesus Christ that night as my Lord and my Savior. And. uh <clears throat> A couple of days after that, um, before I go to floor, thank you, Captain. A f- couple days after that, uh my mom and dad came in for a visit and uh thought oh, here we go. I don't like this part of it. You know when I get uh it's the, the What's that worship band? It's their fault. They soften me up with that music. <laughs> but uh <laughs> no. Two days later my mom and dad came in to visit me my mom and dad always came in to visit me They were so faithful 50 years. My mom and dad prayed for me and my dad has uh, Alzheimer's now And he's in the final stages and the visiting booths in the jail are kind of like you see on TV. There's, there's two booths separated by a piece of glass, and you know, there's a telephone on each end. And usually my mom would come in and we'd visit, and Dad, with his Alzheimer's state, he didn't know who I was, where he was, what he was doing there. He's confused. You can tell it. You could see it in his eyes. But he'd, he'd go along for the ride. But this day, as my mother goes to open up the door, my father, like, cut her off, sat right down where my mother usually sits, picks up the telephone. I look at my mother. She looks at me. She shrugs her shoulders, and I'll say, well, we'll see where this goes. So I pick up the phone. And I says, hey, Dad. And he goes, hey, Wayne, how you doing? Just like that. I hadn't even heard him call my name in two years. And I says, uh, Dad, I'm doing good. Uh, um, I got something to tell you, Dad. Dad, I want to tell you something. It's important. He says, okay, I'm listening. I said, Dad, I says, uh, this guy come in the unit, uh, you know, he used to be a cop here, and, and he talked to me about Jesus years ago. I didn't listen to him, but... He, but, but I heard, I went to a Bible study, I heard about Jesus, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm saved now, Dad, I'm a Christian. And clear as can be in talking and looking right at me, Dad looked right through that glass and look, looked me right in the eyes and said, all your mother's prayers and mine are answered now. And uh, what a gift that God gave my dad, even in that state of Alzheimer's and confusion, that he can know that, uh, and have peace that his boy is saved. What a gift to him and my mom and me. And uh, from there, I wanted to get, do more, get more involved. I just wanted to know more about Jesus. And Danny's assistant at the time, Pastor Rich, great guy. He would come into the, the cell block that I was in and do these Bible studies. And I wanted to go in there. I gotta know more about Jesus. I'm on fire now, I, I need to know. But the trouble with Pastor Rich is, it's not a trouble, it was a trouble with me. Pastor Rich, at, at some point, used to be a youth pastor. And he'd sing these kids' songs with these crazy little dances that went with them. And I'm like, oh, man, I, I, I can't do that, you know. Just, I just can't go in there, you know. But I've got to know more about Jesus. But them songs, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm a new Christian. I'm fighting that old life. I've still got that tough guy thing going on. And it's just not cool to sing in jail. <laughs> so Pastor Rich came in, and, and I chickened out. I didn't go. And I says, oh, man, i got to go. i got to go, and, you know, and... And then as the week went on, I was listening in, this, you know, I was in the cell block and listening to what other inmates who weren't Christians. I was listening to the songs that they were singing. And they were singing songs that glorified a criminal lifestyle, songs that glorified pimping women. But I'm too afraid to go sing about Jesus. And God really beat me up on it. I chewed me up pretty good. And, and then he just hit me over the head with some common sense. He says, look at us as far as you know, being cool and all, You know, you're 50, you're overweight, your teeth fell out, your hair fell out. And if you ever make it out of here, you're going home to live with your mother. How cool can you be? So So Pastor Rich came in and I went. I went into Bible study. A man, and they just fed me Danny and Pastor Rich would just give me these Bible studies. I couldn't get enough of this stuff. It was awesome. I'm telling my friends about it in there and and other people are coming into Bible Bible, uh, studies. And I can sit here and and all truthfully tell you that I had there was I was rocking out this little light of mine with (laughs) with uh, with a former Mafia underboss on one side of me and one of Boston's biggest kink drug companies on the other all saved new Christians Jamming out to this little light of mine with a funny little dance, which I'm not gonna do (laughs) but So that that that, that's how it all Came to be, and, and and I know that you know God just took this mess, and turned it into a message, and that's what He does. He's in the business, I believe, of just taking junk, and doing something good with it. I had nothing to do with it. The only thing that I did is I read my Bible, I prayed, I listened to those who taught me, and God did the rest. And um, you know, I I got to say that. I, sometimes you know, if, if there's any moms and dads grandmas or grandpas that are out there, and if you have someone in your life that's just, you know, just walked away from God and not walking with God the way they should, have just like went way off the deep end like I did, just keep on praying. Keep on praying. You know, my mom and dad, Jesus is the hero in my story, every one of our stories. Second, it's gotta be my mom and dad. (laughs) All those prayers, prayers are powerful, prayers are powerful, and, and, in investing. God gave me an army of people when I got out that in, truly invested in me while I was in there and while I'm out. And for those investors, mentors, you know, it's just so important. I never want to forget that. And uh, I'm going to wrap this up. I, I, I just want to tell one more story and then I'm out of here. It's, um, I want to share a story about what Pastor Rich came in the unit and he talked about uh, an illustration of what Jesus Christ did for us and he came in and told us, inmates says, I want you to imagine that you committed the ultimate crime, punishable only by death and you're sitting on death row in your jail cell and you're waiting for your day to meet your doom. The days turn into weeks, the weeks turn into months, the months turn into years and then finally your day has come where you're going to take that final and deserved shot. And it's quiet that morning and you're sitting on the edge of the bunk and off in the distance you hear the sound of footsteps accompanied by the sound of rattling keys which are always present in jail. And they're getting closer and louder and closer and louder until finally they stop. You look up from your bunk and there's that jailer turning that big key and opening up your cell door. And he steps aside and behind him is Jesus. And Jesus is dressed in that sparkling clean brilliant white robe, and he steps into your cell and stands in front of you, and you're face to face with Jesus. And then he tells you to take off your clothes. And I know that's kind of a strange request, but it's Jesus. So you do it. And you stand before your Lord, guilty and naked. But then he does something. He takes off that brilliant white robe, sparkling clean, takes it off himself and wraps it around you. And he leads the way which he came and he tells you that's the way to freedom. Freedom from the penalty of your sins. Freedom from the power that sin once had over you. And you walk that way. And as you're walking down that tier, you just stop and you look over your shoulder one more time just to get another look at Jesus. And there he is. Putting on your dirty, filthy prison garb, being led off to the with the jailer to take the shot that was meant for you. That was the most beautiful illustration that anybody shared with me of what Jesus done for us. And when I think about that, you know, I just have to pray to God and talk to Him. I says, "No, you know, God, I know you ain't got much to work with here with me, but..." after all you've done for me, Jesus, what can I do for you today? And uh, with that, I just want to, and it sounds so inadequate to say thank you. I know that you guys have been supporting Danny's ministry and praying for us in the jail and to say thank you. I, I don't know what's, I don't know, but just thank you.
1: Fisher of men. That's what we started out with. The man that was so patient uh, to minister to Rusty when he had hair is here. Dick, would you stand? This is the CEO that led him to the Lord. (laughs) 20-plus years. He would share the gospel with Rusty, Bible verses, pray with him, let him know he cared, let him know he loved him. He was patient. A fisher of men, or a fisherman, period, is patient. Can I get an amen? amen? I know that's not like us. We grew up in the microwave age. We want it now. You know, we pull up on one side of the building and order the coffee. We want it on the other side. We put it in the microwave, and three minutes later, we're eating. Uh, this is not how it works. As a fisher of men, you've got to learn to be patient. And, uh, and I'm sad to say that a lot of people when they were taught as young Christians to share the gospel even got their little track. You know, four steps, you know. Get them to admit they're a sinner. Tell them Jesus is the way. And then say the prayer, you know. And we've got to close the deal now. You ready to say the prayer? Are you ready to say the prayer? And you scare the person off, he thinks you're wacko. You know, and people do this. And they wonder why they ain't got no converts. And why they haven't shared the gospel in probably the last 15 years. You know? You need to be patient. A fisherman is patient. Can I get an amen? Amen. We're to be fisher of men. I never saw this more illustrated than downtown Hanson, where the town hall is. There's a body of water. I often go there to... Do my devotions and look at the water and meditate. And little little kids will go fishing there. Dads will bring their kids there. And I I, often, I remember seeing this one guy brought his two kids there. One was about seven, the other was about three. And they got their plastic rods of the barber, and uh, you know, the seven-year-old throws his barber all of about five feet into the water. But that's good enough. You know, the, the sunfish are nibbling. And his barber starts to bounce, and the seven-year-old waits. I said, wait. And it went under, and he hooked it, and he reeled it in, and he brought it over to Dad, and Dad unhooked it and threw it back in the water. And the three-year-old cast his rod all of about three feet. Good enough. The barber started moving, and he, bam, ripped it out of the mouth and reeled it in, and just the worm was dangling, and he went to Dad. (laughs) Why? Yeah, he was impatient. You know, people, Christians are not patient. You know, we're called to, to sow the seed. What is the seed? The Bible tells us it's the Word of God. We share the Word of God with the lost. You know, everybody, everybody's got a Bible. It's the number one bestseller in the world every single year. Number one bestseller. Also least read. Everybody going to have one, just nobody reads it. You put it on the top shelf, it collects dust. You put flowers and pictures in it. That's good. That helps. But we may be the only Bible that other people read. Can I get an amen? And we are to be fishers of men. And so whether we share verbally the Word of God or whether we just live our life and people watch and see how different we are, you know, we're sowing the seed, we're planting the seed. And let me just remind you, anybody here who's done any gardening at all, whether you're flowers or vegetables, you don't plant a tomato seed today and pick a tomato tomorrow. Can I get an amen? You don't. There's what you call a time element. And when you sow the seed, you gotta wait. When you cast the rod, you gotta wait. If you're a fisher of people, you gotta wait. Because it's sad to say there are man-made Christians and then there are God-made Christians. I can make a person feel guilty. I can get them to say the prayer. I've done it a lot. Means about this much. But when I share the word of God and I wait and God's spirit convicts them, remember what Jesus said, John 16, 8? I will send the Holy Spirit who will what? Convict the world of sin. When the Holy Spirit convicts a person, now we're ready to accept Christ. Now we're talking a genuine convert. Now we're talking the real deal. And That's what we're called. We're called to be fishes of men. You know, again, the first words out of Jesus' mouth in this passage was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent is an important word. In the Greek, it's metanoia. What we translated it as is the word repent. Again, 500 years ago when they translated the Bible, people knew what repent meant. If I asked today, I'd get 10 answers, maybe 20. A lot of them would probably be change of mind, turn around. It's all of that. To, to be honest, we don't even have a word, all right? We don't have a word. Wherever we do the Bible, in Hebrew, Old Testament, Greek, and Aramaic, New Testament, we don't have certain words in English. We don't. This word repent, we don't have a word. But I can give you a verse. I can give you a sentence, rather. Here's a good one. If you like visuals, visual, here's a good one. To repent is to walk in the opposite direction. Everybody got that? Did you see it? The Bible says we all like sheep have gone astray. Sin has taken us down the wrong road. We're far away from God. Now, if all we do is turn around, that's good. We're looking in the right direction, but we're still far away from God. Are you with me? A nod or an amen? Amen. All right, good. I just want to make sure you're awake. All right, now that's good. Here's one better. This is worth writing down. So I'm serious. You might want to write this down. To repent is to have, this is the first word out of Jesus' mouth, and it's all over the Bible. To repent is to have an inward change of mind that results in an outward change of behavior. Does that nail it? Yes, that would be a yes. That is what it means. When you have an inward change of mind, that results in an outward change of behavior. In fact, the scriptures talk about renewing our mind by the word of God. And we renew our mind when we open the word and we start to realize the truth, because thy word is truth, we learn the truth that we're sinners. How many? Many, most? All, all fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned, we've all had bad thoughts at times, we've all said bad things at times, we've all done bad things at times. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's why we need a Savior. If you could get to heaven by being a good person, Jesus would not have had to die. You know, it's not, you know, I do good or hopefully I do more good and I get to heaven. That's not how it works. How many sins did it take for Adam to get kicked out of the garden? One is correct. How many will keep you out of heaven? You got it. We've got to get rid of our sin. The bad news is... We can't. The good news is He can, and He did, and He died once and for all for the sins of the world. That whosoever believing in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's good seeing as we all get a date with God. Like it or not, you get a date with God. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. One day, the lights are going out. So far, one out of one dies. What really dies? The body. We put it in the ground, we cremate it, whatever. But that person's still alive. In fact, the Greek word thanatos carries with it this idea of separation. Everybody knows Romans 6, 23, right? For the wages of sin is death. And most of the time, the chaplain or the pastor lets you know that means the wages of sin is separation. Death carries with it separation because that's what happens. When a person dies, there's separation. Everybody is made up of a body, a soul, and a spirit. And when the body hits the ground, there is thanatos, separation. You and I become like the elevator. You're either going up or down. But you're going to leave that body. And that's who you really are, without flesh on you, who spirit and soul. And get this, you're going to live forever. Not some, everybody's going to live forever. It's just some in heaven, and according to the Bible, right now, many in hell. Because broad is the way, wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many. There are that enter therein. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. You and I know the way. His name is Jesus. You and I have to share the word. You and I have to be fishers of people. We're only here for a little while. In fact, the Bible says we're just a vapor. Here today... Gone tomorrow. And we're to store up treasure in heaven and to be fruitful. How do you do that? Well, you share the gospel. You do kind deeds. And when you do so, you open doors to share the gospel. And again, you don't have to get them to say the prayer right away. Where you relax? Please, take a break. Relax. Just share the gospel. Let the Spirit of God convict them. And they start realizing, you know, I am a sinner, you know, I do fall short. You know, God does know about that thing I did that I thought no one did, you know. The Spirit convicts them and they realize, one day I am gonna die, one day I am gonna meet God. Am I ready? Because there are only two ways to die, folks. Either in the faith, Hebrews 11:13) 13, or in your sin, John 8:28). One or the other, you're gonna die one way or the other. In the faith, believing, or in your sin, not believing. And you are going to make your bed here on earth. And tomorrow, you're going to sleep in it. You know, we need to be fishers of men. We need to repent. Again, renew our mind by the word of God. And we need to be fishers of men. We need to be patient. We need to sow the seed, which is the Word of God. Share verses of Scripture with people at the right time, at the right moment. God will give you the words. And just leave it alone. Let God convict them, all right? And then, when they're ready, lead them to the Lord. If you can't do that, bring them to church. But that's what we got to do. You know, God can save anybody. He saved a murderer. And that murderer wrote half the New Testament. Can I get an Amen. In fact, the guy was killing Christians of all people. And he writes half the New Testament. Moses kills a man and leads the, promised, the, the Israelites to the promised land. David commits adultery, has the old man knocked off, and he becomes the greatest king of all. God does this with sinners and he makes us fishers of men, and this is what we need to do, because he can save to the uttermost. You know, when you look at the one thing again about Dick and Wayne, Dick waited a long time to reach Wayne and just kept praying for him, and he's not the only one. Dick has led a lot of people to the Lord. In fact, uh, Dick would come to my office, I can't tell you how many times, with a piece of paper. He's not supposed to do this. He's an officer. He's supposed to do jail work, not not prison uh, chaplain stuff. and things. The officers, they frown on that, all right? So they tell him, don't do that. You're a, you're a CO. So he does it anyway. He don't care. He tells people about Jesus, and he gives me a piece of paper and says, hey, I led this guy to the Lord last night. Would you get him a Bible study? Yeah, I will. And I disciple him, and I make a disciple, all right? And, uh, and he did this for years. But he was patient. You need to be patient. I need to be patient. But we got to be fishers of people because, again, we're only here for a little while all that really matters is not this life, baby. This life don't matter. This life is going to be over like that. Before you know it, you will be old and gray in a nursing home with your, laying on a bed with your mouth open <laughs> staring at the sky. That's if you do the whole bid. Death can come at any time. But at least while we're here, will you have renew your mind by the word of God remember you're here for a reason to know God to make him known and to tell others about Jesus and be a fisher of people that's what we need to do you know there was a little poem i want to share with you uh about a man who went to heaven, and, uh, and, and we're all sinners. Well, you're gonna be surprised who's in heaven. Can I get an amen? You're gonna be surprised who's there. You're gonna be surprised who's not there. But you will be surprised. But the story goes like this. Uh, it goes like this. I was shocked, confused, and bewildered as I entered heaven's door, not by the beauty of it all, its lights or its decor, but it was the people in heaven that made me sputter and gasp. The thieves, the liars, the sinners, the alcoholics, the trash. And there was old Freddy, who I thought was rotting in hell, sitting on cloud nine, looking incredibly well. And over there, the third grade bully stole my lunch money twice. Beside him, the next door neighbor who never said anything nice. I nudged Jesus, I said, hey, what's the deal? I'd love to hear your take. How would all these sinners get up here? God must have made a mistake. And why is everyone so somber, so quiet? Give me a clue." He said, "'Huss, my child. They're all in shock. No one ever thought they'd see you.'" <laughs> <laughs> we're only here for a little while. We are to be fishers of people. You entered into worship. We depart to serve. And a good servant will be servant. Behold the fields, they are white unto harvest. There are plenty of sinners all over the place. There's some in your family, the workplace, the restaurant, the grocery store, all over. You can watch and just be quiet. And watch them waltz right into hell or you can pray for them share a bible verse here or there and when the holy spirit convicts them of their need of jesus share the blessed gospel with them lead them to christ bring them to church you know because we're just a vapor here today gone tomorrow one last one before i go this one i think you'll like there was a pastor who uh took a church, and and it was an old church. And, you know, you ever notice these old churches always have a cemetery next to them? You ever notice that? Well, it was one of those churches, and he looked out the back window, saw this old cemetery, thin stones, you know, way back, 1700s, 1800s. So at lunchtime, he walks out there. So he's walking around, see if he sees any names, and he sees this one stone that says, remember, friend, as you walk by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, you too shall be. Prepare for death to follow me. That was a nice how do you do, huh? You just kind of, you know, walk around, bam. Well, someone didn't like what he wrote, so they took a piece of chalk and they wrote underneath, To follow thee, I'm not content until I know which way thou went. (laughs) (laughs) The bottom line is, We're not meant to stay here forever. The bottom line is we're just camping out. We're just passing through. The Bible says we're pilgrims. One day we're going to go home. You came in empty or naked, and you're going to leave empty and naked. But you can store up treasure in heaven by sharing the gospel, supporting your church and missions. And you can be fruitful by sharing the gospel, praying for the lost, and supporting churches and missions. I'd encourage you to be fruitful, to store up treasure in heaven, and to be fruitful and multiply. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is true. We all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. Thank you that you sent your son who did bleed and die for our sins so we could be saved. Thank you for your mercy, your grace, the written word, the living word, your spirit, this church that preaches the gospel, your people who stand willing, able, and ready. I pray you put in their path today someone who they can share the gospel with, even a Bible verse, even to pray for them and to store up treasure in heaven and to be fruitful. For this is in accordance with your will and we ask it with grateful hearts in the name of your blessed Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.